Welcome back to another episode of Talk and Shop. I'm your host, Gary Putnick, and today I have interviews with both FSU golf coaches, men's head coach Trey Jones and women's head coach Amy Bond. We go over the subject we have not covered that much on this show, and that is the new Seminole Legacy Golf Course in Tallahassee. Since its closure in 2018, the university hasn't had a course to truly call home for its players, students, faculties, and Tallahassee locals. It officially reopened in March of this year, right before everything went down due to the coronavirus pandemic, and the course has remained open for the people to play thanks to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis deeming that golf is an essential business. This episode is a special one for me because I had the privilege of playing this course about a week ago, and it was a ton of fun, but it was also one heck of a test. (laughs) If you're wondering, I shot 95 on the day, and there was a lot of ups and downs throughout my round. Thankfully, I was still able to have a nice day out there and take in a now even more beautiful property than it was before. Just to give you an idea of what this course brings to the table, it is a Jack Nicholas-designed course headed by the Golden Bear himself and Jack Two his son. It stretches 7,240 yards at its longest on the scorecard, with even some hidden tees that can be added for other tournaments. The par 4s provide a uh, combination of risk-reward, like the drivable 8th, and others where you can have to think more critically in order to post a good score like the 17th. The par 5s not only challenge your driving ability, but also your short game, as holes like the 600-yard 14th, which forces you to not only hit a good drive, but also think two shots ahead in order to play the right shot into a tough left-to-right sloping green. The par threes, on the other hand, will punish you greatly if you fail to put the ball on the correct side of the green, or if your tee shot falls into one of the many bunkers of which surround them. All in all, this course is a blast to play and would make any golfer want to keep playing there and attempt to master it. It is a private membership, so the only way to get on for the general public would be to play with the current member or to get a membership for themselves. If you have the opportunity to play, I would highly recommend giving it a shot regardless of your playing ability just because it is such a fun piece of property and a breath of fresh air in terms of course design compared to the monotonous layouts many of us have become accustomed to. With that being said, let's get right into the interviews first with Coach Jones and then Coach Bond. Enjoy. Joining me now on Talking Shop, we have FSU head, men's head golf coach Trey Jones. Coach, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. How you doing? I'm doing well. Just trying to make it through quarantine, just like probably the rest of us are right now. Uh, having a good time doing it, though. Uh, what have you guys been doing in terms of training-wise during this quarantine period? Because I know it is weird because you guys had your season cut off, but like you're still sort of in season. What have you guys been doing? Well, fortunately, the governor uh, declared golf as an essential activity. So we're, um, as a lot of other states did, uh, because of being outside and uh, being able to social distance uh, while you're while you're uh, out there. So our, our players, we we've not been allowed to have any um, personal hands-on talking with them or coaching. Um, they they they're on their own. Um, so. Most of them, uh, obviously, they've all finished school, and uh, I'd say all but two or three have returned home like a normal summer would be for them at this point. So, um, uh, unfortunately for them, they don't have summer tournaments that they can guarantee to participate in at this point, and um, that's generally what they would be doing, would be preparing for those. So you're saying that only a few of the players have been able to go home. Does that mean a lot of them are staying in Tallahassee and still playing the course on a somewhat regular basis? 
actually the opposite. Uh, most went home and uh, we have uh, basically three uh, in town. Oh, three, okay. Three. three in towns. Okay. Sorry. I yeah. misheard that then. Okay. So that's not too bad. Um, what sort of training are they allowed to, are they allowed to really go to the course that often and play or have, is it really just kind of do it on your own and um, kind of manage it yourself? So it's on their own. Uh, so we don't, we don't do anything. We don't tell them what time to show up or what time to, mm -hmm. to do anything. So uh, they're, they're definitely not out there. They're not allowed in the team, uh, team rooms or the team training areas. Uh, they're just allowed to be where um, the members and the uh, other students are at the golf course. All right. And then one, la one last thing on this whole quarantine situation, what was it like, having this season get cut short for you guys because it started to feel like you were starting to get it going a bit and starting to head into the NCAA and ACCs with a bit of momentum. Well, that's, that's a good point, Gary, because, you know, we build our season around the postseason. Nothing really matters until you get to postseason in golf. So um, you're correct. We, we felt like our younger players were – the maturity was starting to come. The experience was happening. Um, they were developing – um, as we wanted them to. And our older players, uh, Jamie uh, Lee and John Packer, uh, all Americans. So uh, we, we, were, we were excited about headed toward the Floridian tournament. And uh, the day before we left, we, we got canceled. So um, it, that's uh, really heartbreaking uh, to, to look at your players and tell them that. And uh, the, way, the way we found out about it too was, uh, you know, not – not optimal as well yeah it was surely heartbreaking to see not only you guys but every sport at fsu go down at that time it was just kind of a wave everything coming down but now i want to get into the new Seminole legacy golf course and for those who haven't played it i would highly recommend giving it a try if you can if you're in the tallahassee area i would try and find a way to get out there but uh, what's coach? What sort of um, hand in the redesign did you have? Like, did you were you involved in the redesign conversation, or was it merely just like, hey, Jack and his team were saying this is what we're planning on doing? What are your thoughts? Well, I I was fortunate. It's kind of it's a coach's dream that uh, President Thrasher uh, and uh, our staff had uh, uh, let me be involved in, in the entire process um, from, you know, the initial part of it of, of trying to figure out how we were going to do it to um, what we were going to do. And Nicholas Goff was phenomenal wanting myself and Coach Bond's input into what our needs were as coaches, what we thought would uh, be well. And in our experience, we're seeing the piece of property for as many years as we both have been here. So uh, it was definitely their lead. They, they had the experience um, and we would, we would make an input from here to there on strategy as much as anything else. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a bucket list item for both of us. Of course. And when you guys are looking to get the course redesigned, when did exactly did this process begin? Like the conversation of, Hey, we want to try and convert Don Veller into what it is now with Seminole Legacy. I would, I would tell you that was uh, the initial thought about doing that was 17 years ago when I came here. Wow. Um, when I drove around it for the first time and to see the potential of it and to see the golf course, what it could be, 
um, it went off in my head then. So not only did we um, look at it at that point, uh, I mean, you know, a little bit as we went on, we just had to wait till a proper time would, would be for that. So um, I was uh, at a fundraising uh, opportunity up in North Carolina with President Thrasher, uh, Chairman Ed Burr, and uh, they they may have made the mistake in asking the coach what he what we needed or what we what, what we thought we really needed. But um, that's the one thing that we just didn't have was a a home golf course that we could be proud of and one that could uh, properly prepare our teams for national championships. Well, yeah, and that gets back to like the idea of now all college sports have become this arms race where everyone's trying to compete to have the best facilities. Where does this now put you guys in that arms race? Because I know Texas is up there, Alabama, and there's a bunch of other schools that we can go through. But how does this really help you guys in terms of recruiting? Well, it's going to be a huge recruiting um, deal for us because um, players want, want to be where they can get better. You know, they can be challenged. And, and for us, we can uh, we can better evaluate where they're at as well. We don't have to get on the road to see a player get challenged. Re recruits want to be challenged, and they want to go to a place where they can develop. And, and we've built a place where they certainly will be challenged and, and will know what they need to do and what they need to work on on a daily basis and we won't have to wait till we travel out of town. Mm -hmm. And getting back to a bit of the redesign, when you guys were looking to take bids to see who could redesign this course, were you guys solely focused on Jack and his team or were there some other possible suitors? Absolutely not. When, when you have a brand like Florida State, uh, a national recognized brand, I would tell you virtually every architect um, showed some form of interest in this. Yeah, when I say every architect, um, most notable architects did. And uh, the process began through uh, them coming to campus, them looking at the facility, and every one of them, Gary, stepped up on it and said the same thing you said and I said is, wow, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be a great golf course. Um, it's just a little sleepy and a little tired right now as any building would be or anything on campus would be, uh, uh, you know, you know, built, built in the sixties. So they, um, we went through that entire process of those guys coming in, inviting them to come in. Uh, they all submitted, uh, what they had was plans, uh, initial plans. And from there we limited it down to four or five finalists out of that group and Nicholas group was one of the finalists and they came in and they did a presentation um, to the university and they did that presentation and we um, uh, from there uh, felt like that with everything being involved then then uh, Nicholas design would would be a great fit for Florida State. Now, did you already have a previous relationship with Jack and his group? Just because I know Jack kind of hangs around Florida State a little bit. He mentioned in his uh, press conference when the course opened up a few months ago that he had six grandchildren go to the university. So was there any sort of relationship that he, uh, you two had with each other? 
So I, I think you were breaking up, but I think the answer to the question was, is did we have a previous relationship with Jack? Yep. Um, I personally did not. Um, the first time I met Jack, Jack too, let me get out of the area here. <laughs> the first time I met Jack too is when he came up to see the property. And um, of course, things you'll never forget the first time I talked to, to Jack was he picked um, one morning and uh, obviously I didn't have his phone number in my phone and popped up North Palm Beach and uh, he uh, gave me a call and told me that uh, they would uh, they'd love to have the opportunity to work with us and they felt like it was a great fit so um, the university has a lot of long-term ties with the family and continues to have ties with the family uh, but I can tell you the the extra stuff that I would consider that Jack did and Jack for this project um, really blew me away and, and how many times they came up, how accessible they were, how they helped us fundraise for it. Um, they, they really, really made it a special project. Yeah, and it's certainly an amazing piece of property now. But when prepping to have this course redone, was there one thing that you wanted to see change from the old course to the new? Man, you're good at this. I've done a lot of <laughs> interviews, and, and, and you're getting all the right questions here. Um, the, um, the first time, they, they, they asked what we wanted. Okay, so we, we obviously told them that it, this couldn't be built for the golf teams. It, it needed to be built for the university, and, and the teams were going to play such a small role in that. But with that, we want, we want to host NCAA championships here. We want to host professional golf events. Uh, so how do you do that? And they looked at the property and both of them said, this place looks so similar to Augusta National and Pine. A combination of the two, some of our sandy soil, the big, the big rolling trees and hills like they have at Augusta. So uh, they used that as a theme throughout the facility of very playable, uh, very walkable like Pinehurst would be. Open in front, people can bounce the ball in. When you get around the greens, as you saw when you played, you can putt it from 20 yards off the green if you want mm -hmm. to, or you can pitch it. So there's a lot of options. We, we, have, we ask them for, for options for a less accomplished player and then challenging a elite college player. And I can't tell you how great a job they did because my team doesn't, you know, we struggle to shoot good scores on it, but the average pace of play out there right now is under four hours. Yeah, that was one thing I noticed when I played there. It was a we played on a couple Friday or last Friday, and it was what my roommate said was packed, and we flew through, and so yeah. that was a lot of fun. But it was funny that you mentioned the comparison to Augusta because I feel like was it the number the first part three you take on? It's that downhill with the water in the front. It feels almost a bit reminiscent of um, Amen Corner at Augusta National, except minus the it is, it's, Yeah, yeah it, it's a combination of two or three things there. Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, that's the second part three. Um, on, oh, second, on yeah, second part three, my bad. Yeah, the second part three on the front. The elevation on that one, believe it or not, is 88 feet above sea level mm -hmm. at the T, and it drops to 44. So there's 44 feet of drop on that, which equates – uh, to 13 yards from, from the back tee. The, the green is situated very similar to 16 at Augusta from 
a sloping mm -hmm. angle, but it's got the water uh, face-on effect of, of, of 12 at Augusta. Mm -hmm. The other um, similarities they brought up was, it was it's very similar to 12 at Mirfield Village too, which is uh, uh, one of his good, except mm -hmm. Mirfield Village Green's just half the size of, of that green and doesn't have the big slope in it. So um, I think it's, you know, everyone has inspirations and everyone has things they see that would work well. Um, but, you know, maybe getting a little bit too much in the weeds here, but on the right side of the fifth green that you just noticed, mm -hmm. there's, there's a raised uh, shelf. Yep. And that shelf was designed by Jack to move the pin up one day. If we have an event, play it from a wedge yardage and put it on that little shelf. And then the very next day, go to the back. So very similar to what, um, Saturday at Augusta is when when they move the pan up on 16 and put it right over the bunker on the shelf. Yep, I noticed that. I noticed that little flat there in the front there, and I said this would be a great opportunity for some hole in ones. But obviously, yeah. the, the day I play, I think the pin was up on top of that shelf, so it made okay. it much much more difficult. <laughs> That's a hard shot. That one's designed, you know, from from an up tee in, in the competition. But I believe there's been at least two hole in ones made there already. I know John Pack wow. from our team made one. Wow, that's impressive already. <laughs> and going back to the course design, like when you guys were actually in production here, it felt like the course kept getting delayed because I was hearing things that the course was supposed to open a year after construction began, and then it kept getting delayed, and eventually it was officially open in the spring of 2020. What kind of effect did that have on your team throughout those two seasons to really just be delayed? Because I know you guys still had your practice facility, at the course but you weren't able to play full rounds at your home course correct but in, in reality we weren't able to play the other course mm -hmm. so we didn't really lose a golf course too much because the previous course uh, just the way it was the team didn't play it um, so what really hurt us um, was was when we lost our practice area and then uh, this past year in the fall without a practice area. So we held it off as long as we could last year. Um, unfortunately had to make some uh, changes with our team lineup and limit players and, and send some out to Southwood and do some things we didn't want to do. Uh, but uh, the, the guys I, you know, I really feel for would be our seniors from this year, because you're right, as of last year as juniors, they, they lost you know, the golf course a little bit and, and then some of the practice area and then this year a little bit of both, but the, the delays, you know, I can go into that if you want me to, but um, you know, when, when you're outdoors, there's just certain things you can control and, and certain, some things you can't. We, we had the wettest uh, December in, in the history of, of Tallahassee last year with 19 inches of rain in one month or 17, which basically would qualify us for living in a rainforest. Mm -hmm. um, so, no, you, believe it or not, you just can't have bulldozers out there and heavy equipment uh, when there's that much mud out there. So um, we had time to catch up and just had you know some some issues. The other part was the last thing that you want to do is open up something that's not quite ready um, for financial reasons, and we we basically held off as long as we could. Um, and um, hopefully the, the members will understand and have seen that it's just going to get better and better. But we, we really needed to get people out there and, and let them enjoy the golf course. Mm -hmm. 
And it certainly feels like with most golf courses, it there re- it really isn't a golf course reconstruction if there isn't any delays. So I think that <laughs> well, I don't know about any construction, and and we had we had a wonderful group with with Childers uh, mm-hmm. handling it, and, and our in house uh, staff from facilities, university facilities, um, did 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 a great job. It's just uh, uh, you you plan on a little bit of delay, and, and we did okay. It's just uh, and and, and to that point, the team's practice areas were the last ones that were addressed because we wanted the priority to be the golf course. And once again, everyone else, not the, not, not the two golf teams. So um, our practice facility, truthfully, still is not open yet. So it won't be ready for them until, um, till August. All right. And I want to get back more into a bit of the playing aspect of this course. Is there any facet of the game that you think this course will help improve for your team? Oh, um, several. I mean, when you start from the tee box, you, you need to think about where the tee is. Mm-hmm. I mean, where the pin is. I mean, already. So, so you're starting to think about that. Um, the, where, where you land the ball on the green has nothing to do with the flag stick. So as you saw, it, wherever they put the flags are relevant. It's just you're trying to get it in a spot on the green. So uh, course management from where the whole location is and where you aim it definitely there you can't switch your brain off on this golf course you're going to have to think uh to to excel uh around the greens and and the chipping and putting are going to be the things that really really um help us um like i said earlier the the less accomplished player can can put it up there and and get it up and down where you know another option is could be a, a bump seven iron or nine iron that I might use a lot and then um, to get the ball up in the air uh, and stop it could be a, another option. So um, if, if a player doesn't have a lot of shots around the greens, they're going to get exposed really, really fast at this golf course. And um, like I said, for, for, for the everyday golfer and our member, that's fine. They're just, they're having fun out there and they're doing it. But, but for a competition purposes, um, our guys don't want to be um, limited when they get around the green. So uh, I would definitely say that, um, the, you know, around the greens. Now, from, from, the, from the, the tee box options we have, we're, we can also play it um, as a short course with, with tight pins, or we can play it as extremely long course and put the, and put the pins in accessible areas. So flexibility is going to be great. That's that's interesting because I always thought you guys would try and keep this an extremely long course because right now on the scorecard it reads seven thousand two hundred and forty yards. But how short could you guys go with this for a tournament? So the scorecard reads seven thousand two hundred and forty. This this will be interesting here. Um, all along we knew that the way the game is growing and our, our alumni Brooks Kepka, uh, <laughs> Daniel Berger, and those guys, um, the way they hit the ball that 72 five really wasn't the number anymore. So uh, we, we have an additional championship um, scorecard that reaches up, you know, in excess of 7,700 yards out there. Wow. So um, that one, uh, we didn't, we didn't put it on the card cause we don't want to, we, we didn't want to attempt you. We, we, we don't want to tempt you Gary when you're out there cause you wouldn't <laughs> have been around in four hours if we would have done that. But um 
definitely there there's more to being a golfer than hitting it hard and being a complete player so uh, when we're traveling to places that are 6900 or 7000 yards then we're going to train at that you know you you wouldn't train on a, a 10 foot basketball goal and then all of a sudden uh, go to a 12 foot goal or mm-hmm. or vice versa so uh, when we're getting ready to go somewhere, we'll we'll put the par threes at the at the same numbers that we're going for. Um, we'll play some of the par fives at the same numbers. Uh, it's, it's our research and scouting that we do uh, before an event, just like any other coach would scout an opponent. You know, our opponents golf course. So yeah, we'll uh, whatever we're going to play. Or, or like I said, we got John Pack on our team, who's not a long player. Um, he's a ball control player. Well, he doesn't need to have to compete against those guys at 7,700 every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but he needs to play it. He needs to learn how to do it. Well, they need to learn how to compete against him, too, at uh, 7,100. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know how much longer you can push out that 14th hole, which already reads 600 yards on the black tees. There's another 42 there's an, on that. There's another? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, there's six, 642 is the back number there. That's just brutal. <laughs> thank, yeah. thank you, thank you for not putting that on the actual scorecard when I was no. there. I really no. appreciate that one. <laughs> There's, there were several tricks to the trade that the Nicholas Group brought in from years and years of you know designing over 400 courses, but uh, those are basically called hidden tees. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a few of them popped around the golf course. Some of them for training purposes and some of them for wind and, and whatever else. But uh, it's nice nice to have the option. I think when members go out to play, uh, they can play two, three, different, three, three days in a row and feel like they play the different golf course every day. Yeah, and it's certainly an amazing course. But what is your new favorite addition to this course? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I know from, it's, from just from like a favorite hole or a favorite favorite maybe favorite maybe like your favorite new aspect of the course because I know a lot of stuff has changed with it I mean let, let we can just go with hole right now let's just go with your new well, favorite hole <laughs> fa- favorite part three is is three okay I just I just think it's awesome the way it has a barrette screen which means there's a high front low mm-hmm. middle high back that that one's another one that gives you so many options uh, so that one's fun to me. My favorite part four, I always tell people there's three of them, you know, 12, 16, and 17 are just phenomenal. Um, all on the back nine, and a lot of people love the eight. So uh, when I've asked other people their favorite hole, I bet I've gotten 12 different holes given to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a cool thing. Um, favorite part five, oh, my gosh, could be four. I really like, I really like four. Um, and I like 14 too. So yeah, there, there, there's a lot out there, but if I had to say an aspect, um, it's, it's the service that the golf course is providing right now for, for the, for, for the students, members and, mm-hmm. and everyone else. It's just, when you get there, um, you're starting to feel like immediately when you're there, you're somewhere special. Um, this is an, an elite uh, golf experience and we f- we feel like it's a top 100 golf course in the United States um, we can't wait for the rankings to come out um, whether um, it's been nominated uh, as one of the 
the top new golf courses in the country already. Um, so that's that's a huge um, thing too. So I think just the overall experience and the pride of, of, of what we have out there is the, is an aspect that uh, I'm really proud of. Yeah, and I, I know pick, asking you to pick your favorite course is asking you to pick your favorite child, but for me, I think my favorite hole is probably going to have to be the eighth just because I birdied it. So I think that's, that's my favorite one so far. But one last question for you. Where does this course fall in terms of difficulty compared to other courses you've played? Um, we can we can dial it up I mean we can dial it up to be as hard as anything we play um, I, I'll say this the, the, the lead architect for the project was Chris Cochran and, and Jack Nicholas too and when we were doing the interview they were telling us how great he could be and before we ever put a bulldozer out there, they uh, were looking at, we're sitting out there with stakes in the ground, thinking about different holes. And he looked over at me and said, Trey, you're going to be able to host any tournament in the world on this golf course. So I said, Chris, man, you've already got the job, man. You don't have to keep selling me. I know it's going to be good. He said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I don't have to tell you that, but you're going to be able to host any course in the world. Well, probably a month or two before completion, we're doing a site visit and riding around and um, he said, you got a great golf course. He said, you're going to be able to host the internal world. I said, well, that's the third time you've told me that. And he said, well, it's true. And then again, the other day he came back and played it with me and played it with the team that was here. And Jack, Jack Nicholas too did as well and said, Trey, if the Tallahassee market was one that would support through hotels and through finances, through whatever, if they could support a U.S. Open, you can host a U.S. Open on this golf course. Wow. So <laughs> that, that tells you right there that it can be, to answer your question a long way, it can be as hard as anything anywhere. It's the longest back nine that Jack Nicklaus has ever designed. Wow. That, I mean, that's, that's impressive. I didn't know, because I knew you, you mentioned before you had this course had aspirations of possibly hosting tournaments. But I was thinking more along the lines of like a corn fairy just kind of getting started. But it sounds like obviously there's the ability that it could go even bigger if the if the market sort of grows in this area. It, yeah, the, the market's going to control that. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a sad thing with, with golf in general. There's several golf courses that are good enough to do that and just don't have the, the logistics. Um, but um, like I said, I, I very easily could see uh, – uh, having a champions tour event um, at the golf course in the next few years. And uh, we've already begun to, to, to look at the, um, how to get that going and how to work on that. Wow. That's it. That'd be really cool to see at a PGA event like that brought to the area, but that's all I got for you today, coach. Thank you very much for joining me. Cool. Thank you, Gary. And uh, stay safe. And uh, anytime glad you enjoyed the golf course. It makes yeah. me feel good. Yeah, had a great time. <laughs> but yeah, I'll talk to you later. Have a good, have, stay Perfect. safe. Joining me now on Talking Shop, we have the FSU women's head golf coach, Coach Amy Bond. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, anytime. 
so let's just start out with the question that probably everyone's been asking you. Uh, how is your, how are you and your team handling quarantine so far? You know, I think we're, we're handling it as best we can. I think that the biggest thing is obviously it's different. You know, we should have been at regionals this week. So it's something different for us to actually all be in our houses and home. Um, but I think the girls are doing a really good job. I mean, the great thing is golf has been considered an essential activity. So they've been able to continue their practice and um, get out and play. Obviously, they're social uh, distancing, but um, it's all good. Have you given your team any sort of training program to kind of go through over this time when you don't, they don't really have proper instruction? Um, I haven't really, we haven't done anything different. You know, some of the rules are a little bit different as to what we can do with them. The great thing is most of our players have um, swing coaches at home, so they've been able to communicate with them. So really not much has changed from our end. We've had some Zoom meetings um, just to talk to them, just to see how they are and things of that nature, but not too much, quote, strategy going on at, at this point. It's really just checking in on them, making, making sure they're staying healthy. And, um, you know, up until last week, make sure they're, they're getting their schoolwork done. Mm -hmm. Being home, it's very different than being here and being able to keep an eye on them as far as schoolwork is concerned. But they've done a great job both athletically and academically staying on top of things. Nice. How much did it hurt to have this season cut short? Because I know a lot of teams, everyone's having their season cut short, but this one in particular, it just kind of hurts, I feel like, for a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely disappointing because you work so hard to, to get to this point in the season. And for us, we were basically two tournaments from being in, in the postseason. So I would say 75% of our season was complete, but the biggest part that you look forward to all year was, was cut short. Um, I hate it for our seniors because they're not able to finish it off um, like they would want to. Um, and they're going to move on. They're not going to come back. Um, one of them is actually turning pro, and, and so she has status on tour, so she's going to go ahead and, and turn pro. But um, as always, as coaches, we start the, in the beginning of the year, and we have these goals set. And we were slowly reaching those goals as we were progressing throughout the season. And I was really excited about what the postseason would hold. Um, but, you know, we've – We've got to learn to live with disappointment um, and, and work through the tough times. So I think this is a great example um, for all of us to not, not take things for granted, to appreciate each and every day. So that's kind of the lesson that I'm teaching the kids is, hey, let's put a positive spin on this. Let's be better for it in the long run and go from there. I like that mentality. And now I we'll kind of want to switch gears now to the, FS, the new Seminole Legacy golf course that opened officially this spring. How involved were you in the decision-making process when it kind of came down to getting this course underway? Um, you know, I, I would say I was fairly active involved. Um, I wasn't – obviously, Coach Jones was the, the main driving force behind this, but I had a lot of input as to um, how the golf course would be played, what we were looking for, things like that. I mean, the great thing is um, Jackie Nicholas, Jack too, um, gave me a call early in the process saying, all right, if you could make your perfect golf course for your women, what would it be? Um, so I had the, the chance at that point to really tell him what I was looking for. You know, um, I told him I didn't want super deep bunkers because they're known to make super deep bunkers that maybe some girls can't get out of. Um, so they took that advice. I wanted the golf course to be playable 
um, for all golfers. But also I wanted the girls to be able to, to take some risks and be rewarded for it. So I really enjoyed it. I'd never been through a process like this before. So I appreciated that they were looking for my input and that they took my advice on, on some things. And um, it was really an exciting process to be a part of. You mentioned the Super D bunkers. I had a chance to play the course last week and it felt like those bunkers were very deep at some points. Like I could only see at least half the flag, half the flag stick. So that's interesting that you mentioned that, but was this your first time meeting Jack and his team, Jack and Jack too? And if so, what was your first experience like with them? Um, I believe it was my first real chance to meet them. I mean, obviously I grew up watching Jack Nicholas mm-hmm. play and, and with Jackie on the bag most of the time for him. Um, but yeah, it was really my first time getting to know them. They are wonderful people. I mean, one of the times that that Jack came and was looking over the golf course and um, his vision for how things were going to go was amazing. You know, I I enjoyed the opportunity to sit there and listen to him say, all right, this hole is going to look like this. And all you can see is a bunch of trees at the time or um, a hole that was going in a different direction. And he's like, all right, let me show you what I'm looking at. And he's looking at the contours of the land and things like that. And, um, it was a great learning experience for me because I don't think like that. My mind doesn't work like that. So to hear him say, okay, think about this. We're going to, we're going to move some dirt and put it here and have a big bank where the ball's going to kick off a bit. Um, I learned that he likes to hit a lot of downhill shots. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't really like to hit uphill shots. So you'll see a lot of, a lot of changes, um, in the golf course, elevation changes for that reason. Um, but wonderful people. Jack too is great. Um, again, he took my advice and, and we've had many discussions after the fact about, about certain things. So it was just really good to, I mean, you got arguably one of the best golfers to ever lived or the best golfer to ever live standing next to me at certain points. And I just appreciated his candor and his honesty about what he was looking for. Um, and ways in which we were work, working with him to make the golf course a success. And I think they did a phenomenal job and, and I'm excited to, you know, have their name now associated with our home golf course. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you, this was your first time really working on kind of course design and course architecture. What was one big thing that you learned kind of about this process? Because it really is an interesting process and doesn't get talked about too much in the media. No, it doesn't. I mean, it, It was amazing to watch because, you know, they first had to come in and kind of kill the old grass so that you didn't have it blooming and seeding on the new course. Um, The way in which it's so scientific. I think that's the thing that I I learned the most is there's so many things to think about from drainage to slopes to being able to cut the grass um, and and keep it alive. You know, if your slopes are too big, one, a ball's not going to stay on it. But two, if you cut it, you know, if, if you can't cut it the right way, that grass is going to die. Um, so to me, the scientific part about the grading of the golf course and watching the bulldozers move dirt is one of the most fascinating things. You know, a lot of guys get excited about big equipment and things like that. But believe it or not, myself and the girls were super excited to watch those bulldozers come in and, and move dirt, um, wishing that we were in them from time to time. But um, I think for me that the, 
the, the thing I really learned the most was about the scientific piece, but the other thing is that it, it really takes precision. You got to do it right the first time. Otherwise, you're going to create messes like puddles and, you know, when it rains and things like that. So I'm just amazed that the different things that you have to think about on a regular basis in order to complete a magnificent golf course like we have. Yeah, it certainly is just a wild process to kind of watch and go through. But I wish they kind of were able to put a camera up on one of the buildings at the course and do a time lapse of just what, any of the holes and just see how much it really changed. Because I know there were a few that changed and some that sort of stayed the same with a little few details added into it. But it certainly is a lot of fun to watch a course go through. And then uh, getting into kind of more of the playing side, what was what was it like having your home course taken away from you? Because I know you guys played home tournaments at Don Veller Seminole Golf Course and you didn't have a home course for really two years. Right. It was, it was certainly a challenge. We had to get very creative with it. Um, one of the numerous things we talked to the team about was they were going to have to be patient. They were going to have to be creative and they were also going to have to be flexible um, because we would be doing things a lot differently because they were used so used to being able to practice and then going right out onto the golf course. So now they could practice, but then they might have to drive somewhere to go actually play. Um, so it was, uh, for, for our freshmen, they didn't know any different, you know, they didn't, they didn't see the golf course before. Um, but then they were able to play it afterwards. So it wasn't a huge adjustment for them. Um, being in Tallahassee, obviously it was different than what they were like, what it was like for them at home. But um, it was a challenge, but everybody knew in the long run, it would be well worth it. And that if we could just hang on and, and be patient, that this was really something worth waiting for. And they did an outstanding job of staying patient and waiting for things and also learning throughout the process. I mean, again, it, not only did I learn, but they also learned things which I think are valuable as golfers because you've got to be able to take in all the information so I think this was a great way for them to um, as it didn't really quote help their game physically I think from the mental side it definitely helped them learn a little bit more about golf itself and then what so when you guys do get to playing home tournaments again back at the new Seminole Legacy Golf Course have you and your staff kind of concocted a plan on how you guys can make this course uh, change it up a bit for a tournament and like maybe adjust some roughs, maybe made some, make some fairways a bit tighter or change up the greens a little bit? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's one of those that um, the goal is to, to host there in February. Um, if things go according to plan, that's, that's really when we're going to first hopefully start hosting our tournament there. Um, and we've talked about it. We haven't had the ability as of yet to play it enough to really know where we want to put hole locations. We can figure out where not to put hole locations. Um, but I think the more and more the players get used to it, the more and more we get used to it, I think it's going to be fun because I think even now, every single time you go out and play it, you're going to see something different. Um, whether it be you play from a different tee box um, or you – obviously when the hole locations change, the holes change. I mean, there are many holes that are based on course management. You know, you got to figure out how to, um, how you can get to that certain hole location. So I think it's going to be exciting for us again, because I think our regular season tournament, um, it's going to be very different than a regional at Seminole in the different times of year as well, mm -hmm. you know, be able to, 
to grow some rough, maybe shorten. Um, girls tend to hit the fairway most of the time anyway, so I really like the fact that if it was really super short, we would still have an advantage if the, if the fairways were smaller. Um, the key is going to be hitting the right kinds of approach shots into the green, you know, getting the right clubs in their hand where they can really take advantage of it. Um, but also at the same time, if they make a mistake, it's going to be penalizing. So yeah. Working through that, but it's exciting to be able to do that because every single time I walk out there, I see something different. I'm like, Ooh, let's use this or let's use that. Cause any shot you can think up in golf, you can hit it at the golf course. That's what I found out too. When I was playing there, I wish I could have played that course 10 times over in just that one day. And I found out that just hitting the right distance was not going to be the right shot every single time. So even though I generally don't hit the right distance anytime and anyways, but is there a different set of tees that you guys would be playing? I know coach Jones told me there was this course can be stretched out to 77 or 7,700 yards, but would you guys be playing more of a mixed bag of tee boxes for a tournament? We would, the women would for sure. And that's mm -hmm. the advantage for us is that, um, we could back it all the way up to the tips, but we could also move it all the way up um, to the front tees and play a combination. And again, and that's when I say for us, we can see something different every single time we set foot on the golf course. For our qualifiers, you know, one of the, thing I'm gonna, one of the things I'm going to put in next year is I'm going to challenge the girls to play every tee box, you know, <laughs> around on every tee box and let's see what they shoot. Because um, I think a 7,700 yards is a really beast of a golf course for us. Um, I think it would be good for them to work on their short game by not being able to reach some par fours. Um, at the same time, playing it way up from the teal tees, which are the front tees, and being able to go lights out with wedges and things like that um, and really get used to being under par. So for us, it's kind of like playland because we can, we can change it up every single every single day of every single week um, so that they see all aspects of their game to improve on. And I'll certainly keep your players on their toes. I know that for sure, yeah. especially if, especially if they're playing that 14th hole at what jo coach Trey told me at uh, 642 yards as his longest it can go. Yes. So that would be yes. That will be a beast of a hole for the girls. I don't, I don't, I don't think I would want to give that one a try. That would just be a bit too long for me. And I already scored a nine on it playing from the garnet tips. So I don't think playing from the way what back uh, tees would be any better. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you'll get, again, hopefully you get some more opportunities to come out there, mm -hmm. uh, improve on that nine. for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Well, th th that nine was really all a result in my short game and how I played it up the left side, chipped down, hit the slope, ran off the right side of the green and had to chip, up to a short side pin I put it off actually right after even though I just tapped the ball so yeah. that was that was really a surprise for me there but it was a ton of fun I really enjoyed the course but um, not only for the everyday golfer but for your team what do you think it takes to post a good score at this course I think it's learning the golf course it's learning where you need to hit it because as golfers sometimes we try to overpower a golf course and that's not necessarily the best way. Um, if you try to over, I mean, there's some reachable par fours um, that they've made and, and some reachable par fives. But the question is, are you in the right spot? You know, if you're going to go for number eight, you can certainly get it up on the green very easily. But if you miss it left, you're in the water. If you miss it right, you're in a very difficult 
swale, um, I think you've got to look at the hole locations. And if you can play smart and play strategically, I think the golf course is scoreable. Now you need to have some short game and um, stuff like that. But I think, honest to goodness, I think the more times you play the golf course, the better you'll get because you'll learn the slopes of the green and things like that. Because that's, that's the biggest thing that's different is there are some slopes in the green um, where you really have to figure out, all right, can I be aggressive to this whole location or do I just need to cozy it up there? Um, so every single time you go out there, you learn a little bit more. But to have a good short game um, and to really play smart, I think are the two biggest things that will help you score well at the golf course. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the green contours. I know it's not as radical as like a core Crenshaw at Stream Song Black, but it's still, they're still crazy. I mean, there's still times where you could probably turn yourself 180 degrees away from the hole or whatever and putt it and it would still end up right at the pin. So, I mean, yeah. some of these, you got to really, you can really get creative with this whole piece of property here and oh, still play well. Most definitely. I mean, one of the things we taught the girls this spring before things got cut short is on a hole like number 12, where the pin is left, they've really got to aim at the right side of the green and let the contours of the green bring the ball back to the hole. Because if you go at that hole location, chances are, because the greens are still firm, they need a, a growing season, but chances are that ball's going to hit and ricochet off the back of the green. So if you, you actually use the contours of the greens to your advantage, you will leave with a smile on your face rather than in tears, for sure. I, I practically left in tears. So that's how I, <laughs> those greens were. You mentioned the greens playing extremely hard and they were like, I, I tried to hit a few bump and runs every now and then around the green and they would just run all the way off. So I gotta, I gotta start developing a better flop into my game just because I'm used to South Florida golf where it's a little bit easier to do bump and runs, but yeah, it's, I gotta start learning how to play more golf from up North. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, again, it's a great, teaching golf course mm -hmm. teach you a lot of different shots really quickly um, if not again the tears may flow but <laughs> for you is it made you want to come back mm -hmm. so that's that's what we want we want people to enjoy it it will frustrate you at times but I think the great thing is it's made for all levels of golfers you just got to figure it out mm -hmm. and kind of getting continue on the path of difficulty where do you think this course falls in terms of difficulty compared to some other courses you've played or seen um, I think it's, I think if it plays to its caliber, it's right up there with all the other ones. I think the great thing for us is having the ability to play this golf course every day is going to give us all the tools we need to perform at our highest level, regardless of where we go in the country, this golf course will allow us to, to be good. Um, and I think that for me is, is the biggest perk of this whole thing, because it's going to frustrate them. It's going to excite them. It's going to force them to improve their weaknesses. Um, so I think with that, that's all we can ask of a golf course, but them having the access to do it every single day or use it every single day is going to be an advantage. Cause I think if you look at um, the blessings at Arkansas, that's Arkansas's home golf course. That's where the national championship was last year. There's some quirky holes there. And I think if we had had our golf course ready to go at that point and been able to practice certain shots, we would have probably done a better job. They did a good job um, with how they handled it. But I think 
having some of those side hill slopes to chip off of and things like that would have been helpful. Um, so I would say, you know, I certainly think we're in the top 20 um, in the country when it talks about difficulty, if you really wanted to ramp it up, you know, mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Um, I think it's a good solid golf course, but if we really tuck some pins and um, did some, craziness maybe with the rough and things like that I think yeah, I think it would rank right up there um, but I think the great thing is we have the option to ramp it up when we need to when college golf comes to town and also uh, make it playable for the general public when you know when we're not hosting events coach Joe there's some challenges too um, some people in the community who would really love to play the the extreme golf course, what college golf tournament would look like. So you'd have those guys that were ready to go for that. But on average, people want to just go out and have fun. And I think this is a great golf course for that. Exactly. And I know Coach Jones here, I got one more question actually, but uh, Coach Jones was also mentioning that this course has the ability, or he's been told by Jack too, that this course has the ability to possibly host a US, or US Open. It has that kind of, those bones. What would it mean to be able to host a tournament of that magnitude or even an LPGA event? Like it would, like, I think it would be wild to even have something like a pro event come to Tallahassee. I think it would be great. You know, if we were able to do it, I know years back, um, Tallahassee used to host uh, the sprint for the LPGA tour the sprint tournament. Um, I think it would be great. Um, not only would it be great for, for Tallahassee and the community itself, but it would be great for Florida State to be able to show off um, all the hard work and the dedication that's been put into getting this golf course done. I mean, there is a lot of people um, who helped us out a great deal in order to, to see this dream come true. Um, so I think that would be a, a payoff, plus for our, our players and aspiring golfers in the community, it would allow them to see some of the best players in the world and go, ooh, I've played that golf course, I've played that hole, and um, this is how I played it versus this is how they played it. I think all that's a, a huge positive. Um, so at some point, I'd love to see that. Whether it be an open, even if it's an open qualifier, you've got some of the best players in the world coming in to play it, and you know some of our professionals have come back already and, and played a few holes, and, and actually some of them have played all 18 holes, and they just are kind of drooling over it like this is unbelievable um the, and they love it so that's what we want you know it went from being super easy a super easy golf course to a little bit of a challenge and it's been great the feedback's been great from everybody saying hey I love it it's got beautiful scenery I mean that's one thing that Jack said he's like it's a beautiful piece of property that we have and and now with it becoming a championship caliber, caliber golf course we can show that off to people and and to me that's that's what I'm most proud of is you know, this is something we have access to every day. Now let's let everybody else see it. Exactly. And it's certainly a great addition to not only Florida State, but the, the greater Tallahassee area. And I think that's all I got for you today. Thank you for joining me on this episode. <laughs> oh, you're quite welcome. I mean, great questions. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Mm -hmm. In quarantine, I haven't been able to talk about it that much. So this has been great. So thank you, Gary. Yeah, no problem. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Right. Take care. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk and Chop. Follow us on our Twitter and Instagram at FSV Sports. Also subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Play. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.